So for this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast, no one can give me crap about the films chosen this time. The attackers have taken over. They have picked the films for this episode. Blame them. (laughs) Defensive much? I mean, you chose them from their pool of movies, so... Oh, God, whatever. Just play the theme. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer What's happening, party people? Welcome to another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I am your host with the most, Insane Mike, and this is episode 289, where we let our Patreons that we refer to with affection as the attackers. We have them pick the films that we're going to talk about on this show. So usually we pick our own topic and discuss films within that said topic. So the films are kind of always themed for the most part. So this is kind of nice, actually, this time that we're going to get films that are way more random, no central theme. So nice to have that variety. But the best part is that it's less work that I have to do. Now, we're all just friends. We're here hanging out, talking, talking horror movies like we do. So we speak openly and freely. So there may be spoilers. There will be spoilers. Guaranteed. Positively. (laughs) (laughs) Getting to pick films for a random episode of the show is only one of many, many perks you get when you support the show. It's more, it's more that just, it's more than just becoming a Patreon. You become part of the Attack of the Killer podcast family that we call the Attackers. When you support the show, you can get all kinds of extra content, such as early access to the show, bonus episodes, um, uh, exclusive to the attackers. You get our video shows like video updates and say Mike's one minute top 10 list, killer critiques. You can get a membership card certificate, even a sticker. Uh, You can get original art by me called Mikey's Monsters, where I draw you as a monster of my choice. You get invites to our monthly horror hangout, watch parties, and even access to our exclusive chat called Attack of the Killer Chat. Clever. You can even get shout-outs on the website and the show, much like these amazing people. That's right, like these awesome attackers. Timothy Lennerer, Roman Doppelfeld, Larry Watanabe, Brett Royer, Seth Key, Jessica Irish, Chris Cook, Brian Gutzel, Stephen Sitter, Brandy Moore, Andrew Moeller, Rod Hutchinson, Carmen DeHaig, Abraham Moreno, Jacob Book, Andrew Bentler, Casey Kelderman, Tony Miller, Mike Clayton, Rose Talashoma, Marcus Rude, Abe Kirshner, Lisa Cavalier, Holly Berg, Emily Randolph, Bill Fisher, and Greg Diedrich. Yes, those people are amazing. What a list. That's right. They are attackers, and you can be one too. Just going, go to jointheattackers.com. Pick out the tier you like the best and become an attacker today. That is jointheattackers.com. Now I bet you're wondering who will be joining me on this journey into madness. It is now time to introduce you to the podcast crew. He was at the blood bank 
where he was donating blood the other day, and you noticed on the forms he had to fill out that there was a lot of misspelling. That's because the blood bank always wants more type O's. Tad. Jesus Christ. A really long way to get to that one. Hey, guys. <laughs> he was never a big fan of organ doning, but he recently had a change of heart. Jason. Organ doning? What did you Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for listening. His co-worker asked him for donations for his charity marathon. He was afraid he was just going to take the money and run. Andy! <laughs> hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. It's summertime, summertime, summertime. Time for outdoor fun, camping, playing frisbee golf, going swimming, and our favorite pastime, hiding inside and watching movies. Here's Tad with What We Watched. All right, everybody, pull up those letterbox accounts. I want to hear what you've watched, Jason. Shoot. Oh, you knew it. He caught me. He was literally doing it as you said that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what's not on my letterbox is I, a couple series as I've been watching and finished uh, Yellow Jackets. Woo-hoo. Did you finish it yet, Ted? I did. Did everybody else so I can cancel Showtime? I think I'm good. <laughs> I I did. Yes. Okay. Good, well, they're good. just going to be merging with um. God, who are they merging? Paramount with? Plus. That was it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <clears throat> um, it got there. Man, I agree with what Tad said. Um, the last time he mentioned Yellow Jackets, it just got a little tough for me. Yeah, still... I didn't love it as much as the first season. And yeah. Yeah, the the most the three fourths of the season when it was modern times, I'm like, I don't think I care. But eventually, once they all got to the camp, I was like, all right, at least they're together. When they get together, yeah. That's all that. Right. That was awesome. So, and then should have saw that happen. But anyway, um, it's it's good. It's good. And then Barry, Barry finished oh, season yeah. whatever it is, the uh, series, the series ending. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, what an ender. What a season. Yeah. I, I started this season like not necessarily liking it, but um, yeah, it definitely became the Barry that I think we have been watching. You know, it, it seemed to like get there eventually, but yeah, what a, this is just a great show. Well, I'll just say, because uh, it was on my, what we watched too, because I also finished it and I've been following it since episode one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I almost feel like I kind of got punked. A little bit. I love the show, and I like this season a lot too. Um, but it just to me, it it, it it was always dark humor. Yep. But it felt like with always. season one, especially, it, it just it seemed like a lot more, a little more lighthearted and funny. Even though he's going around killing people. Right. Um, right. But this last season was dark, 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 the with very little just levity. Get darker and darker. Yeah, yeah. and. It, no spoilers, but it just it just is ultra ultra dark. Yep. Yeah, it's it's great. But it was great, yes. And that's on HBO, I believe. Uh movie wise, um super excited. I finally got to watch uh Avatar The Way of Water. I fucking loved it. God, you started was... like when we finished last episode and just finished it, right? Stop it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's only 192 minutes. That's it. What did you like about it? Dude, it was awesome. The world building in it alone was awesome. And then, like, 
you know, from the first one, you got these tree, air tree people, and then they have to like move to be water people. And, and, um, listen to what you're saying. It was awesome, man. I loved it. And then with the kids coming into it and the new, yeah. I thought the first one was just Pocahontas with Smurfs. You guys are awful. Here's the thing. Uh, This is from a complete outside perspective because I have not seen a frame of any of these, uh, of either of these movies. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I can say this much after, like, uh, you know, scrolling through the internet and finding a trailer which just turned out to be another Star Trek thing that I can at least appreciate. James Cameron trying to give us a new, a new IP, something new, something yeah. that's not Marvel, it's not Star Wars, it's not, you know, all these others. You know, I just I, we need more of that. You know, so whether you like it or not, I feel like we can you at, at least, least appreciate, appreciate that. that. I, then, th- I I appreciate uh, James Cameron's like. Uh, dedication yes that's the word i was looking for thank you uh just like diving into this even though it's not my thing i can appreciate what he i mean he's like head first Mm. devoting his life to this you know and (laughs) yeah it's it's for somebody obviously that keeps raking in the dollar so he's doing something right and whenever he does something he's all in right yeah so and i feel like for the right reasons right like you know we can be cynical maybe about George Lucas at times thinking that, you know, are we still, were we still getting new star Wars from him with like the prequels just because there's a paycheck involved and he's trying to tell us it was the master plan, whatever. It may not be the best example, but I'm just saying this definitely feels like, you know, with like anything James Cameron does is, is like, it's all about the passion for the material. So, And I just happen to really love, adventure fantasy content and so i just i dug the shit out of this movie i thought it was great but cool good i'll probably eventually watch it the little loincloth kid i absolutely hated anyways <laughs> that's all of him he's just being a he was so that no the and kid that, with dreads and the loincloth the george of the jungle kid that thought <laughs> it, it, he was like the navi jerk where he thought he was blue but he's not Oh, you know? okay, I got gotcha. you. Know, the like, human, that's yeah, like, still, yeah, yeah, like Steve Martin thinks he's black and the jerk, but this kid has like dreads just... and wears a loincloth and thinks he's blue. Um, it was that kid was such a bad actor. Every time he's on screen, I I felt like it was like a Disney Channel original. Oof. Well, what else did you watch? Speaking of uh, <laughs> Disney talking, Channel original movie, talking about good actors, um, I watched this awesome documentary. I think it was on Apple TV called "Still," a Michael J. Fox movie. Oh, oh. I don't know if I can exactly. watch it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, it's uh, it's awesome. I mean, it's great. It's him telling his story, and it's. It's definitely hard to watch, but it's also uplifting and and sweet and He was at uh like a reunion convention this weekend. I saw awesome. that, I saw that clip. Yeah, he face planted but caught himself on a couch, so Yeah. Oh yeah, the whole movie st- starts with him fucking eating it and just <laughs> Yeah. Uh trying to walk and yep. Yeah and stuff with his family and 
and his and a lot of stuff with his wife and it's it's great just to just to see him be through it positive and you know fighting the good yeah. fight reminds me of somebody else I know yeah that's what I watched. All right, Mike, what have you watched? Okay, well, Jason took my answer when he <laughs> said Barry, so I'll skip that. So other than that, um, just watched a couple movies recently, Simon and I, just catching up on some superhero action. Uh, we watched Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Woo. was way better than I thought it would be. Yeah, right. I really had a good time with it, really enjoyed it. Uh, What's-His-Face is funny as ever. Um, what made me nervous going into it, was just the fact that, and just the fact that uh, uh, I really struggle with in the world of of if it's comic books or superhero movies when they really start adding more magic into things, yes. and especially dealing with quote unquote gods. Because first of all, I will yeah. never understand the definition of a god. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't understand it. What are the Norse gods versus the... I mean, I understand the differences. I know who's who, but what makes a god? What? How are these people... I, I just... I, I can't even describe... That's how far removed I am from this concept. And then the fact that they have powers that they can pull out of their ass at any given plot point moment is what really turns me off and scares me away from movies like this. But I felt like... Yeah. They still they built enough of a world here that they f stuck with their rules, and then you know the climactic stuff with all of the mythological characters. Simon was giddy. It was because it was like it was like uh, Dungeons and Dragons coming to life in the streets of the city, you know, mm -hmm. with like uh, um, unicorns and uh, um, cyclopses and all these mythical creatures running around the street. That was pretty cool. So yeah, so it was definitely way better than I thought it was. Um, the I will say there was one moment of convenience magic in the movie that was almost ruined for me, but it was right there at the end, and it's like, whatever, I don't care at this point. I had a good time up to this point, so it's fine. <clears throat> and then we also got around to watching Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania, which wasn't bad. I mean, it's definitely on the bottom of the trilogy, you know, Um but, uh, you know, like the other two is better. Uh, but I will say this is, as uh, just my personal opinion outside observation that Ant-Man in the Marvel universe and, uh, Marvel cinematic universe is literally the worst superhero ever. Um, like if you look at all three of these movies, it's not him, um, going out and saving he the day. Do any. Yeah, he doesn't do anything, yeah, and it's all on Tommy Doyle. Man. It's like if there was no Hank Pym and there was no Scott Lang, none of those events would happen. Everything is happening because of them in those three movies, all three of them. So the world would be better off without them. If they want to be true superheroes, quit. You know, yeah. <laughs> the world would be better if you stop. The exactly. more you know, with Mike Sand. Exactly. So um, now, although. And so, with that said, the ending, which I'll try not to be spoilery about it, I have a love-hate relationship with it. Um, I hate it. It's supposed to be starting the new phase, right? Well, it's leading to the yeah. to the main villain of this phase. Yeah, yeah. So it is kind of the start of the phase. Yeah. Um, I I 
I hate it uh, because of, again, some conveniency things and what I just said about how, like, these people should not be superheroes because, you know. But at the same time, because of this, I feel like it's kind of cool because it's showing that these heroes, Ant-Man in particular, um, is definitely human and makes pretty big mistakes. You know, the chain of events that is going to happen in this phase is kind of his fault at the end of the day. So, uh, again, without being spoilery, but, uh, but yeah. Um, and Michelle Pfeiffer is still super hot. I think she's hotter. Right. Older. Isn't it? Yeah. Oh my God. Anyway, I think it was, uh, Hemsworth did like, and not to get down the, the Marvel rabbit hole, but he just did like an interview and was basically like, in retrospect, love and thunder was way too silly. We had way too much fun on set. We should have like, realized the movie was going to come out silly and and uh and he said uh he's like with the ant-man movies he's like you're taking this character that like it's a character that is like it's all about the personal relationships with his daughter and his family and everything and it's like why would you put him in this quantum mania you're taking this like small intimate character he was sort of this like He's not a guardian or a god. He's a person. He's a ground level yeah. superhero, right? Like Spider Man. Right. Yeah, it's like, and and he was like throwing him into the quantum mania was just like it took him out of his element. It wasn't that's what it wasn't good anymore. I don't know. He, he was saying that your, that was a mistake. Your audience identifies with a father that just wants to be there for his kid, and yeah, it you know all this other jazz kind of dehumanizes him a little bit. Yeah. So it was interesting hearing him talk about this, Hemsworth, and then uh, I, I guess because he's wrapped up with his Marvel contract, he can shit on him. But uh, <laughs> but then he was he was saying it really hurt to uh, hear Scorsese and uh, and Tarantino sort of crap on Marvel movies because he's like those guys are my heroes and there still are, but he's you know Tarantino basically called him like a nobody. That's dumb. Well, he he basically said. Uh, there's no more movie stars. It's like the characters. He's like, it doesn't matter anymore who plays Thor or Captain America. Those the actors aren't the stars. It's the character we're going to see. And what's we're, wrong? But also, though, what's wrong with that? Have we? Have we? Are we so Hollywoodized that like we can't go see a movie without a big star in it? I, that would be I, what I would throw back in Tarantino's but, face. But what he's saying is that there's like no stars anymore. On the flip side, again, what's wrong God with that? It. Who cares? Who gives a shit? Hugh Jackman is Wolverine. Come on, man. I'm not right. gonna see anybody else play Wolverine. Oh wait, who is? God damn it! Who is supposed to be? Or Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark? No one else's. I don't know. Whatever. That's How what dare I you question? Anyways, uh, what else you watch, Mike? No, that was it. <laughs> All right. Well, Andy, what have you watched? Um, yeah, I've been, you know, I was, you know, just real brief, but uh, I've been dipping into the classics. Watch me some Killer Clowns. Woo! Um, it's like an anniversary uh, this year, too, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, just, you know, who doesn't love that? I mean, I'm like probably going to watch it like another time in a row just to drive my life <laughs> crazy. Um <laughs> Um, also watched uh, Vincent Price and the Fall of the House of Usher, one of my favorite AIP films. Nice. Um, yeah, still that's still probably my f- favorite 
out of the Poe tales. A lot of people are uh, either Mask of Red Death or Pit in the Pendulum, but Usher's my jam. Um, also finished uh, Yellow Jackets. Um, wish we would see um, probably more, and we probably will. I wish we would see more of like the just delightfully demented relationship between uh, Christina Ricci and uh, Elijah Wood. Yes, I just I think oh, that dynamic is I just love those two. It's, yeah, it's it's really good. Um, it's I do agree with you guys to an extent that it did it slogged a little bit in in this in this season, but um, I think they wrapped it up. Kind of nicely to you know cliffhanger wise. Um, I'll I'll keep watching. Um, yeah. um, they. Uh, the I was just Go gonna ahead. say they uh, they got like two days into writing the third season before the writer strike happened. Oh. Uh, so it'll be a minute. So you're saying a long? Yeah, they they haven't. Yeah, it hasn't even been written. So we're probably like a two year delay at least. Did you guys hear Wonderful. this might possibly now also be? A director strike coming up too. I heard about the SAG one last night. Screen and, Actors and the Guild. Screen Actors Guild one too. I was like, yeah, so sweet. Let's watch Hollywood burn. Yeah. <laughs> at least Rise we have independence. At least Rise every independence. At least every single band is currently touring this summer. Jesus Christ. Anyways, <laughs> Andy. Um. Oh yeah. Um. Late to the party with this one. Um. I finally got around to watching Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice. Yay. Like the three hour one. The Snyder um, Cut version? Yeah. Yeah. The Hell Ultimate yeah. Edition or whatever they called it. And yeah. Uh, like I said, I had no idea that Negan and Maggie were Batman's parents. That was neat. Um, <laughs> uh, just. Yeah. I can understand. Oh, I it gets a little almost overblown at the end for me. You know, it's like, normally I would never tell like a movie to like tone it down, but I mean, <laughs> it really, doesn't sound like you at all. Yeah. Uh, but like the whole, the whole doomsday ending, I mean, it's fine that he's, that he's there. Um, but it's just, it's almost like two ape shit, you know, <laughs> the, the ending just like, okay, yeah. he just threw him through like a, nuclear facility or an oral refinery you know and it's just like okay it's just getting a little too overblown um i mean i don't hate it but i was just like okay it was getting to the point you know where i wasn't entertained i was getting to the point where it's just like okay can we wrap this up kill him let's let's go <laughs> what are you um, gonna throw at me next with your yeah exactly five, or with it's your like, 500 act structure it, yeah yeah it's just yeah <laughs> He's going to pick up a cruise liner and just beat him to death with it. And I was like, okay, whatever. Just fucking stop. Um, I'll watch that. Um, and then, um, of course, I got into the new season of uh, Dark Side of the Ring. Which what's, what's I the still first recommend episode? to anybody. What's, what's the first episode? Yeah. Um, Chris Candido and uh, Tammy Lynn Stitch. And it details with his early death. And I won't go into the much particulars, but I will say that I'm glad they made it more about Chris as opposed to being it more about Tammy. Because Tammy Lincich is a fucking horrible human being. Um, and, you'll, and you'll find out. Plus, 
know, she's facing multiple years in prison because she just can't stop drinking and driving and she killed somebody. So, uh, yeah. and she's still saying, you know, that she didn't do anything wrong. And yeah, just, she's a horrible, horrible person. And she was horrible to Chris. And you'll find that out in the episode. Um, but yeah. Is this uh, back on Hulu where it was before? This, um, I'm here. Here's what mm. I did. Oh, <laughs> um, I just went ahead and since I didn't want to go shopping for it, and um, I've got a lot of more time in my hands at home. So I just said, screw it. And I bought this season on Amazon. Hell so yeah. I was just like, okay. I just, okay. hell with it. I'm going to buy it. So I can, I don't have to worry about yep. looking for it or waiting. You know? Uh, so. Yeah, I look forward to, I know they're going to be covering. Um, Probably all kinds of can. sunny, happy things. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> um <laughs> Being it's being it's called dark, you know they want to level it out. Um, <laughs> the I know uh, two other wrestlers that have got to be on there um, are Marty Jannetty, yeah. which that guy's got a lot of stories about him, and Abdul the Butcher, I believe. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it looks like it's going to be a pretty cool season. So I'm glad it's back. And that's what I watched. All right. Cool, Tab. What have you been watching? Um, I actually, no, I actually did get to (laughs) more things than you might expect. Uh, the first thing I, I threw on while I was working on some film festival stuff, uh, something I've been wanting to watch for a while. I think Godzill might've mentioned it. Oh, I've heard of him. Um, kids versus aliens on shutter. Yeah. I want to watch that. Yeah. Anyone else see it? What's that? I have not. It is like in the vein of Psycho Gorman, sort of, but uh, it's like some a little more grounded, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's these. It's like it's sort of a mix of that and a little Monster Squad. It's like this group of kids who like making little fun independent movies, um, and their older sister joins them. They make their own costumes and stuff, uh, but the sort of jock dude the bully infiltrates their group and is picking on them and then an alien invasion happens uh during a house party and it's the kids are all foul-mouthed and it's kids versus literally aliens um has a bit of humor but also uh has some sort of fun scary stuff uh from the guy who did uh, Hobo with a Shotgun. He did Dark Side of the Ring. Oh, wow. He did Turbo Kid, VHS2. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, J- um, Jason, Jason Eisner. Jason Eisner, yeah. yes. Oh, so I need, to, I need to watch Turbo Kid again. And I, that was I, so good. I believe his segment in VHS2 was that, that birthday party where the aliens invade, which I thought this, was supposed to be the inspiration for this film. Probably, yeah, that would make sense. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. I, you guys will all dig it. It's, uh, just right up my alley. It's simple. It's, uh, it's only an hour, 15 minutes, like not even a full 90. Uh, yeah, it's a blast. I highly recommend it. It's on shutter. So go mm-hmm. check that out. Um, the other thing I watched that you might've heard of was guardians of the galaxy volume three. Mm-hmm. Nice. Ah. Finally got out of the house to a theater. I had seen, I, I, I swore off Marvel and said, you know, I was sort of <laughs> done. I had still haven't seen 
several. I haven't I haven't even seen Love and Thunder. I haven't seen uh shows. Eternals. I haven't seen Shang Chi. I have seen that and I oh, saw because okay. uh, it was nominated for an Oscar. I had to do it for the Oscar episode. Uh, but uh, finally, you know, I've seen all the Guardians in the theaters and I love James Gunn and this is sort of his yeah. swan song for Marvel and I'm mm-hmm. like, I can't just watch this one at home. I love these characters. I've grown with these characters. And has anyone else seen it? Not yet. Nope. I have not. Fuck, man. It is sad. Um, yep. It's not for the reasons you might think. Not like the end of characters or anything. I mean, that's all sad too. But uh, it's just a story of... Uh, without spoiling anything, it's it's an origin story for Rocket, a lot of that. And that's really oh, fucking yeah. hard yeah. to watch. Yeah. Because if you know Rocket's backstory, it's fucking dark. Uh, hmm. So a lot of flashbacks to his origins and then forward flashing into the group. And, uh, you know... James Gunn does it again, man. Like the most consistent cool. Marvel thing. I mean, the, the Guardians movies are my favorite thing about the the universe. And uh, yeah, it's sad to sort of see him bow out and head over to DC. But I'm excited to see what he does over there. And I feel like he's already proven himself at DC with Suicide Squad and Peacemaker. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I was gonna say I'm looking forward to more Peacemaker. <laughs> Hell yeah! And he's doing a new Superman. That's his next project. So yay. Can I make one more complaint about Ant-Man and Wasp? I forgot <laughs> yeah, about this yeah. one, and bringing up Guardians of the Galaxy is a great example. I kind of was disappointed on how they handled the villain, how they um, brought in the villain Modoc into the cinematic universe. Like, he was just a big joke and way too goofy looking. I mean, I get it. It's a giant head with little tiny arms and little tiny legs. And he's supposed to be this big, badass Marvel super villain in the comics. And he is. And I feel like, you know, whoever, you know, is writing the script or, you know, the committee that's putting this together was like, Oh, well, we, this is such a silly character. We can't do anything with it, but just make it a joke. And I feel like, that's lazy writing. Why not take a really weird, obscure... Make it a challenge. Goofy, exactly. Make it a challenge to make this character cool. And Guardians of the Galaxy is a great example of that. Everybody loves freaking Rocket. He is a talking raccoon, people. I mean, like, how more silly can you get? And James Gunn did it. And so I can't, you know... So th- th- that was kind of a thing I forgot to bring up. Sorry. No, I get it. Uh, it's funny you bring that up because my brother-in-law watched uh, Quantumania and said that my mom's dog, she has this like a little tiny dog that's a huge, like f- super fluffy with like a little head and legs. And since she said that he looked like him. <laughs> um, <laughs> Start calling that dog Modoc. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, other than that, I've, I, the first two episodes of the Eric Andre show are um, out right now. And that makes me laugh so hard. It hurts. Um, I'm finishing up Dave, which I absolutely love and recommend to everybody that's on FX or Hulu. Um, Sunny begins this week. We're in like prime trying to think of what else just started. Oh man. Um, something else just started this past week that we watched. Obviously, you know, 
not great if I'm not remembering it, but <laughs> I'm just uh, waiting for someone else to recommend Dave to me so I can tell you how much. That's I, fine. It's very Dave Jason. Just check it out. It's very uh, very strange. He had an episode where he went to the Met Gala that was had like a million celebrity cameos. That was really funny. But there was like a horror centric uh, episode where he ended up at this really conservative like Christian family's house. <laughs> And uh, very funny. Um, But yeah, Eric Andre, man, like his show's 15 minutes long. And uh, the first episode had Jaleel White and he fucked with him so bad. It made me like cry (laughs) laughing. So funny. Oh, I know what I was going to say. I think you should leave season three came out and I watched it in one sitting and uh, watched it again twice. And uh, I fucking Tim Robinson is the funniest human alive right now. Uh, So sorry, Mike. So, uh, so has anyone? <laughs> does anyone even know? I don't have a show. I, I cannot. If there's one thing you take away from my recommendations, it's just watch an episode of "I Think You Should Leave." It is like I've seen some of it. It's my brain great. personified on the screen. Like, <laughs> like Tim Robinson is insane, and it's so fucking funny. It's ridiculous. Uh, my God, I, I I don't know if I he, no one makes me laugh as much as he does. So it's on Netflix. I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. It's outlandish sketch comedy. The episodes are like 20 minutes long. Just go watch it. He used to write and be on SNL. And these are basically all the sketches that are too wild and stupid to be on <laughs> SNL and too funny to be on SNL. So that's what I watched. Nice. Awesome. Cool. Got all some right. Recommendations in there. Yeah. Yeah. You won't watch them unless somebody That's else. That's true. Yeah. So it's time to talk about some movies. Some movies recommended to us by the attackers. Speaking of recommendations, Jason, what is our first film? Uh, the first film we are going to talk about today is from horror comedian Bill Fisher. His recommendation is from 1992. It's Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. In Hellraiser 1, Clive Barker showed you his vision of a private hell. In Hellraiser 2, he took you on a journey inside the inferno. Now, the terror returns in mankind's final confrontation with evil. Good to be back. 
Clive Barker presents Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. After learning in Hellraiser 2 that he used to be a British Air Force captain, Elliot Spencer, played by Doug Bradley, uh, before he was sucked into another dimension and turned into the pain-craving creature known as Pinhead, Spencer's soul ends up in limbo. Meanwhile, Pinhead is sealed in a column, which is normal, which is <laughs> questioning, which is bought by J.P. Monroe. In a dream, reporter Joey Summerskill learns from Spencer she must reunite his two halves to send the murderous Pinhead back to his world. I, uh, so yeah, this is directed by Anthony Hitch, Hickox. Uh, I, I, I wanted to, uh, I remember when this came out. I love part one and two a yeah. lot. Yeah. A Absolutely. lot. I have pinhead tattooed on my arm. I, I love them. And I really went into this a hundred percent like Bill. You must love this movie for you, buddy. I'm going to give it the honest go. <laughs> I'm going to try. Well, who else wants to say something? <laughs> Is this your first time watch? No, I've seen oh. it before and I saw, I saw it, it when it came out. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm going to just let someone else talk. I will say this. This is the first time watch for me. I've never seen oh, Beyond. God. I've seen Hellraiser 1 and 2 in the reboot for Hulu. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have been afraid to watch the other sequels because uh-huh. I've always loved the first two so much. They have that Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 feeling where yeah. you know, they just sort of go it's hand in hand. It's debatable which one's better. Right, yeah. And they just go hand in hand and they're yep, great. Yeah. One, it's almost two like punch. one movie, yeah. Right. And so... I was just sort of like, man, like I I had seen the CD Cenobite with like CDs in his head. And I'm like, this yeah. can't be yeah. good. Like there's no yeah. way this is. So in my head, I've hyped this up as bad for like 20 years. Like this, I, I know like they're supposedly like, this is a slight step down from one and two. And then they like jump off a fucking cliff and face plant. Right. Uh, Sorry, Brian Clark. You're probably yelling. Oh, four is the best one yeah. in the franchise. Whatever bullshit I, he's going to argue. I'm I'm on that side too. I really like four. Um, <laughs> way better than this one. That's for sure. But uh, I, I think my severely low expectations and ah. dread of watching this um, made it more watchable. I, it was fine. It's definitely a product of its time. I oh, mean, a, right. a CD Cenobite. Yeah, a CD yeah. Cenobite says everything you need to say. Uh, <laughs> and then there's a bartender Cenobite, too, you know? Yeah. Like that has a yeah. flamethrower mouth? Like, yeah, what yeah. was that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, all that CGI stuff they tried. That, yeah. With when the bendy the, faces and stuff. Yep, and get so pulled bad. into the thing, yeah. So this um, is... Ugh. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean... There's a lot of bad stuff, but it's not nearly as bad as I... Not as big of a jump in bad quality as I was expecting all these years. And, and maybe it's, you know... It, not saying it's good, but it's definitely not as bad as I had put in my head. Yeah. Um, when Ted said it's a product of his time, it was something that I wanted to touch on. It was uh, 
And when he when he said it was released in '92, it made started making perfect sense because <laughs> this is nope. the dying days of like hair metal, and you you could see that by like the, the house band and how people were dressing. This like grunge hadn't just really made it yet, and you know they're wearing you know they're in Los Angeles or something, and they're wearing like designer cowboy boots. I mean like. <laughs> I, which just, I think is hilarious because, like, the last time these guys were anywhere near, you know, close to a fucking cow was when they were shit-faced in an Arby's. But, um, <laughs> it's, it's, but you know, that being said, a lot of, you know, like, he's wearing a leather duster with cowboy boots and he's, like, in the middle of L.A. or just like, Jesus Christ. But anyway, I can, I can forgive that, right? But, uh yeah, just I, I don't have a problem with the story per se. The story's not bad. Um but I must say, like out of all the Hellraiser movies that I've seen, I like the, the designs of the Cenobites in this movie the least. Uh particularly the cameraman. The camera one the cameraman Cenobite yeah. was pissing me off. <laughs> Stabs a guy Seriously. with his lens eye. What the Yes. <laughs> Yes, because and I'm just like, first of all, he's a B character, and he's in the movie for maybe two minutes tops, and he's making puns like he's Freddy in part three, mm, you know, that was ready for your close up. I'm yeah. just like, Cenobites don't do that shit. No. You know, you know, they're supposed to just be menacing, and they're supposed to have this, like, relentless pursuit, and I'm just like, he's, he's, he's doing, like, all these one-liners, like, that's a wrap, and I'm just like, who are you? he was was getting on my goddamn nerves who do you think you are (laughs) exactly which club are you exactly we have a we have a disc man we have a bartender we have a guy with like what was that what was in that jp monroe's head like the the some weird sort of oh, like the drill know, like thing or whatever. Two pogo sticks in his head. I don't yeah. know what the fuck that thing was. Um, and then the one with the the girl with the cigarette in her mouth. Uh, well, uh, in her obviously, but in her throat. In her neck, sorry. Yeah. Um, but uh, I did a little bit of looking, and I'm not taking any of Thad's uh, Thad Tad's thunder. Um, but she was actually in Malignant. She played Beverly in Malignant. Mm. Which, I didn't I have that was, on my trivia, so yeah, I thought I was just looking through. I was just like, "Shit, she was in *Malignant*." Wow. Um, yeah, no idea. But yeah, other than that, I mean, the the story was okay, but just like the some of the decisions made <laughs> in this were just like, no, no. But guys, we got so much more Pinhead. It's what we wanted from part one and two. We didn't get hardly any in one and two. Was it Pinhead, though? It's Doug Bradley. Here, here, He's here's, saying words. I have some got comments about that. to show more of his that. chops off with, you know, without the makeup on. So, What are your thoughts, Mike? I, too, have not seen this since it first came out. I didn't like it then, and I hate it now. And I had forgotten that it was directed by Anthony Hickox. And when I saw that pop up on the screen, I got excited. So, like, I was going in feeling like I had a bit more of a positive attitude instead of just going in with hate. 
<laughs> and, I, and and it's a movie. Honestly, I've been wanting to rewatch for a long time. Sure, it's just like sure. You know, the my nineties Mike Mike's taste is different than yep. nowadays. Mike's like taste, one, two, and so. four. Maybe three was better than you uh, thought. Yeah, exactly. And with Anthony Hickox, he directed Waxworks one and two. He directed Warlock. Love, love, love. So I feel yeah, exactly. So I feel like uh, I was excited for this rewatch, but uh, man, I think. Right out of the gate, one of my biggest problems was Pinhead. Um, I felt like he was. <gasps> I felt like. <laughs> Stop it! How dare you! I felt like he was way out of character. Um, the well, ar- he's part column, part Pinhead. Well, that's the thing. The <laughs> argument uh, that he's way out of character is that Pinhead is separated from Elliot, but th- that doesn't even make any sense to me. Are you just telling me that all the Cenobites? are just comprised of a demon and a human host that turns into the Cenobite. That doesn't, it doesn't make any sense either. Either it's all, or it's all one or nothing in my, in my thought. Um, and yeah, they sort of changed the lore to be convenient. Yeah. So why, because why even need a human host in the first place? If Pinhead already exists. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even if that makes sense to me, I'm not a fan of this version of Pinhead. This, like, uh, again, you know, Freddy Cougar joking, um, emotion show, emotion showing, Ugh, like, yeah. you know, and then Mr. Chatty Chatterson uh, Pinhead, <laughs> you know, uh, Mr. Manipulation Pinhead. None of that is in the, none of that characterization is in the first two movies. And what, how stoic and... And everything, you know, from those first two movies is what makes Pinhead such a strong, what amazing, frightening character. So, right out of the gate. Problem with Pinhead. Um, The other problem, other big problem I had with it is that the idea of the Cenobites just roaming the streets on Earth, I think is a great idea. Hell on Earth, like the movie describes. I mean, it's... it's very um, Jason goes to hell, and the fact that we get hell on earth for maybe like two scenes, um, <laughs> and the may- but the problem is the mayhem was not epic at all. It was like some of the most low budget, like oh here's a few fire gags popping up from manholes and one car that skids across the street. There's nobody in the streets. Maybe one random character shows up and gets stabbed in the neck by a freaking camera lens. Um, and so it just wasn't as epic as it should. I mean, we're talking hell on earth, right? Um, anytime for me, anytime a horror monster is taken out of their element and put in a big city setting, Cenobites or Jason, um, my brain always goes to my expectations always go to American werewolf in London as, as the model for what I think that chaos should look like. And maybe that's not fair, um, to make that, those kind of expectations, but in this case, especially hell on earth, right? And in this particular movie, it's proven that the uh, pinhead, anyway, can literally do any magic thing he wants to in the convenience of, of story um, at some times and not other times, right? Like right. we talked about earlier. Uh, um, you would think the mayhem would be more epic. And you, maybe you can blame budget because it obviously it looks like it was reduced for budget had to have been right but uh, i go back to again who directed this motherfucker anthony hickox <laughs> waxworks one i would assume was a much lower budget than hellraiser three yeah go back and watch that final scene 
where all the waxworks come to life and the, the good guys come in, it is chaos for like five, ten minutes, and it's awesome. Why couldn't he, why couldn't he do that in this? Anyway. Be- speaking of the mayhem, I, one of my scenes that I almost kind of like now because I think it's funny um, <laughs> is when the bartender throws his, his drink and um, the cop just says, oh, my God, gasoline. <laughs> because you know the Cinnabite stopped to you know fill up his cup full of gas. <laughs> okay. For me, the only thing this movie had going for it wasn't even original. It was Christopher Young's score. If you get to use oh, yeah. that, you've got like instant street cred. I mean, it's it's yeah. going to carry it. But yeah, and Lemmy singing Hellraiser was yeah. It doesn't hurt. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. a credit. <laughs> But uh, it's hard to imagine Bill trying to punk us, though. Do you think he actually <laughs> likes this movie? Like, I, there's got to be. Is there? There's got to be fans out there. There's a lot there of kills, this. though, right? There, do you like the gore? Like Bill, I can see Bill being all about the kills. There was, I think there were some cool kills. I think, yeah. I'm trying to remember now. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, yeah, you got some gore in there. Again, yeah, the CGI is bad. Um, so bad. Yes, it is. Yes. Oh, the worst. Confirmed. The worst. The worst was like, what the hell was that? Like, that guy that was frozen and then smashed. What? The, like I mean, a, I, the the ice came out of his drink and stabbed him in the mouth or something. That was it. Yeah, that was bad. Like yeah, that was bad. <laughs> that was birdemic <laughs> bad right there. Nah, that's exaggerating. I mean, this was pre Jurassic Park. So, I mean... But post-Terminator 2, right? Uh, yeah, but yes. he's a James Cameron, again. Yeah. Hey, Ted loves this movie. Let him like it. <laughs> I didn't... I wouldn't... Don't go Same saying that. Can- <laughs> it's his favorite Hellraiser now. Same year as Candyman, though, right? Right, because Clive Barker went out and promoted both of them at the same time because he was still probably getting a nice paycheck out of this. He's yeah. He's got a story credit on it. I would assume it's just... Characters probably, yeah, yep. contractually obligated to give them a credit, but uh, uh, I mean, you know, yeah, I could see people being fans of this movie, but you definitely don't want to marathon one, two, and three because then you'll definitely see. I feel like you'd see the yeah the gap in quality. Um, yeah, just keep it strictly a double feature, yeah. not a trilogy. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Bill, if I was too harsh. <laughs> He's sorry. If all of us were. I don't think Jason's actually said anything other than he like. Well, my movie. mom said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And definitely don't ask me about the next movie. I just, I said it. I said I like the story. Yeah. <laughs> I like the score. I, I like the concept. Okay. Again, exactly. Hell on Earth, right? Could have been awesome. I always forget about how like badass the Hellraiser score. Like No one oh. talks about the, the cool it's scores good. in these movies. God damn, it's so good. Oh, yeah, they are great. Like I'll listen to it on its own just sometimes when I'm doing work. I'll have some, and I'm like, I got it. Sometimes I got to turn it off because I'm like, it's too fucking creepy. <laughs> like it just it brings up the goosebumps, man. It's he- it's heavy, yeah. Fuck, yeah. it's not simple little piano. No, yeah. it is serious business. I fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tad, what trivia do we have for Hellraiser three? Hell on Surprisingly, Earth. quite a bit, but I'm only I only pick three for time's sake. Uh, this one I love. Okay, Peter Jackson was asked to direct, 
but declined because he couldn't see himself directing such a serious horror movie. He liked the final product, but added that if I had made a Hellraiser film, I'd like Pinhead to be whacked against a wall and have all the pins flattened into his face. I immediately start thinking of funny things and gags. That's just the way I am. That would have been awesome. (laughs) I would have have wanted to see A slapstick Hellraiser. (laughs) Talk about being... Here, I'm bitching about everything being way out of character and separated from the other two films, and I'm like, I kind of want to see Peter Jackson's take. But I like that he like recognizes that and is like, it's not for me. I'm going to step away from one of the biggest horror franchises. You know, yeah. that's, that takes some willpower to not take that check. Um, yeah. Both this film and Children of the Corn 2, The Final Sacrifice, were shot back to back using the same crew to save money. Oh. Hmm. This one was second. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think I've seen is, Children of the Corn 2. Oh, I have. I've seen. Probably yeah. the first six. They drop off harder than these. Oh, guys. than anything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, John Sullivan. Talk about talk about uh, bad CGI. Oof. Uh-huh. Those movies. Matt Mal- it starts to make sense when you think about this and Children of the Corn too. But anyways, uh, and then the final piece I had is that this is the first Hellraiser film to refer uh, to Doug Bradley's character as Pinhead within oh, the yeah. movie. So oh, the yeah. first time yeah. we actually hear that, nice. you know that I I. I, was that something that Clive Barker? I don't know why I'm asking you guys as if I'm the one doing trivia. But is, <laughs> does anyone know if that's something uh, Clive Barker wrote in the stories, or is that just like sort of like the, the like people in just adapted that name in pop culture? Like, oh, he's Pinhead. Oh no! I think it's that one where it was. He was probably just I think just a monster in the books, you know, and stuff. But I think you're right. Yeah. Was and, probably and we, described as, as such, but as simple humans, have to fucking have a name, name for shit. Yeah. So, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I because I, I I would bet you a million if we went back and watched the first one, none of those guys are credited by their now known character names. Uh, yeah. Like lead Cenobite, female Cenobite. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Maybe yeah, Chatterer and Butterball, but. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you for the trivia. Uh, Andy, what's our next film? Our next film is from 2009, and it is called Laid to Rest. Asheville County Police Department, what is your emergency? Who is in a box? We're sorry. You're off. You're off. You're Tucker tells me I picked you up on the street, that you were coming from a uh, cemetery. Got a name? Probably. Listen, ma'am, I, I saw a man. How'd you get it? Are you okay? You're safe here. Oh, God, help us. He's gonna kill me, Annie. You're dead. Nobody is gonna die here tonight.
Okay, a young girl wakes up in a casket with a head injury and no memory of her identity. She quickly realizes she was abducted by a serial killer and must fight to survive. That's pretty vague, but um, basically, um, the girl wakes up in a mortuary and escapes, and she is pursued by this killer by the name of Chrome Skull because he has, uh, for a mask, it's just a... It's more like a half mask that's a chrome skull. I get it. Sort of like oh, pinhead. Oh. Pinhead, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Chrome, skull, Man, skull, so chrome. Made, yeah. Um, but he's unique in a way because he kind of has like this, uh, kind of like the way the Predator has like a shoulder gun. It, uh, he's got a camera on his shoulder, so he's re- recording all of his kills. And So, uh, so like the camera, the Cenobite. Okay. They're pretty yeah. much the same thing. This is the same. There you go. It, they're exactly the same thing. It's all part of the canon. Um. Anyway, uh, she she escapes and she gets picked up by this guy and uh, taken back to her home. But the killer is in you know pursuit in tracking her down. And this also this has surprisingly I've heard, I've had this movie for quite a long time and I haven't seen it in a while. But I forgot that Lena Hetty from uh, Game of Thrones and uh, criminally um, underrated Dread was was in this. And uh, for an English woman, she does a uh, pretty good accent for somebody that she lives does. like kind of like in the hills uh, in, in like, I don't know, I think they're in like Kentucky or something. Uh, I, I don't know, maybe Virginia. I, I'm not sure. But uh, to me, in my opinion... This is low budget done very, very well. Um, the, the the kills and the gore, I think, are pretty top notch for what they're work for what they're working with, all practical effects. Um, like you know, guys getting s- stabbed, you know, through the cheek and then just their jaws just getting ripped off. I mean, it's pretty damn gory. Um, and for as little as Lena Headley, has for screen time, it breaks your heart when, you know, mm. she gets killed. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is, you know, they established the, this relationship between her and her husband really, really well. But, um, means that the girl uh, the, that woke up in the beginning, uh, she's in a, um, I guess sort of like a amnesia, amnesia fugue state because of her head you know, because of her head injury. So we slowly start to figure out, you know, who, who she, who she may or may not be as the movie goes along. Plus it's also cool to see Roach in this movie, Sean Whalen. Mm-hmm. You guys recognize him, right? Oh, heck yeah. Oh, of yeah. course. It's about um, the only thing I enjoyed in this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Oh. Um, I thought he was, I thought he was really good in this. Um, is this a first time watch for you guys? Yep. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. I'll, I'll leave it to you. I saw this years ago. What What did you guys think? Uh, first off, before anybody jumps in, uh, who? Uh, Emily is the one. Who Emily. Picked this okay. One? All right. Our new attackers. <clears throat> and this is so Emily too. I have this feeling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I feel like if uh, I'm in the mood for something like this, I'll just watch Hatchet because it has a little more. It has humor to it, but it has that sort of same familiar. Like sort of low budget throwback to the old slashers, mm-hmm. uh, but 
I guess if I wanted something more serious, it's, it wasn't, I guess I wouldn't call this bad, but I just wouldn't rewatch it. And I've heard about these movies because there's what, two, three? I don't know. There's a, there's a sequel. There's two, and I think Daniel Harris is, is in the second one. Of course, just like Hatchet. Just like Hatchet, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I don't know. I, it's It was fine. I'm glad I watched it for the a first time watch and got it checked off the list because, like I said, I've heard about it quite, you know, there was a, a bit there where Chrome Skull was like a thing and people were cosplaying and yeah. it had uh, a following. You know, it's it's been a while since, I assume, since the second movie came out, but uh I don't know. I just feel like a lot of other movies do it a little bit better, which I know Jason hates when I say that. Uh, but if I, if this was, you know, amongst my movies, this probably wouldn't be one I'd pull off the shelf very often. It just, I, I don't like the sort of, I didn't love the lead guy, the bald guy that's like trying to protect them the whole time. I just, he might, I don't know. Maybe he just reminds me of all like the guys that, drive big trucks in Iowa. And- <laughs> he literally <laughs> reminded me of someone that I know closely right. and I don't love. Right. I love, but I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely yeah, reminds me of somebody. <laughs> right. Like it reminds me of like, like I know like 12 of these guys yeah. and yeah. you know, he means well, but it's just like, yeah, but uh, that's the difference, right? Like compared to the rednecks, we know that this guy, us of this, guy? Up. this guy, this guy seems to have a heart of gold, even, you yeah. know, I mean, how many guys, especially redneck guys, would still be trying to help this girl out who basically got his wife killed and... Uh, uh, dragged him into this, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. He... Yeah, okay, yeah. Continue. That's all. You know, I don't... I sort of go by Jason's uh, <laughs> mantra. I don't have... I'm not going to shit on the movie. I, any, I, don't, so. I don't want so to. So let, I'll let Jason shit on it. Okay. Next. <laughs> uh, no, uh... <laughs> Lena Headley, what happened? Did she lose a bet? Like, why is she in this movie? Why? She's so fucking amazing. She's such a great actress. Was it early in her career? No, this, no, this is 2009. God, what is she doing in this movie? Uh, yeah, it's uh, I, not for me. I'm sorry. I didn't. Like it, Mike. What do you like about this? <laughs> so yeah, this was definitely a first time watch, and yeah. but has have has I've known about it all this time. Sure, it's so like you guys said there were people Splashed cosplaying. On the scene, yeah, yeah, it obviously made somewhat of an impact in the horror community. You know, like Tad was saying, you know, cosplayers. It got a sequel. It was featured in all the horror magazines at the time. All that jazz, and. Going into it, I'm like, am I watching the right movie? What? What is that? Because it came off way lower budget than I expected. It's I yeah. Mean, yeah. It's like yeah. it's like local film festival quality that I thought I you know I thought I was at the Cedar Rapids Independent Film Festival when I was watching it. It was that kind of quality to it and. The saving grace for me, I'll I'll start off with, I'll, I'll <laughs> but not SNAF, not Snake Alley Film Festival, I, not that I quality. No, no, film that festival. that's high quality. Yeah, okay, films there. Um, <clears throat> nothing but the best. That's right. <laughs> uh, Sorry, the gore was amazing. Yeah, holy shit, Thank the kills you. were great. Fucking yes, 
Oh, and they were every five seconds. I feel yes, <laughs> yes. So, so that was amazing, and that is what kept me going. The great kills, awesome gore. I felt like everything else felt so low budget because every goddamn dime went into the makeup effects. Because, yeah. oh, brutal and just so over the top, like this giant knife just ripping people's freaking faces off. It was great. Um, but man. Couldn't wait to the next kill. Oh, I, the script needed a, the script needed a few more passes before it was greenlit. There's some, there's some logic problems. There's a lot of logic problems. problems. You know, you guys were wondering where it took place. I'll tell you where it took place. It took place in this part of the world where <laughs> everything is a, is like without is is not within reach. It's going to take us forever <laughs> to get there. Yet. We conveniently get to a funeral home, a gas station, you know, all in short amount of time. Anyway, but we're so far away from civilization, but everything's right there. Um, you know, the, I, the dialogue was bad and I'm not even, I'm not talking about the main girl. I get it. I get what they were trying to do there with her miss saying her, her bad grammar, you know, kind of like me right now. Death box. And, yeah. Uh, saying things like death box instead of coffin, whatever. Uh, you know, a cemetery, not the funeral home, whatever. Um, and, and just her bad grammar throughout the whole thing. I get what they're trying to do, and that's fine. But everyone else, I mean, we talked about Sean Whalen, and I love him to death and everything he's in, but I felt like he was bad in this too. And I don't blame him. I blame the dialogue. Go back and listen to his dialogue. It is yeah. like, it's kind of not what people talk, sound like. I liked the character he's playing because I felt like it was unique for him. It wasn't like... You know, super coked out or like high intense. He like try. Yeah. It seemed like he was trying to play a normal dude who was in a tough situation who just went through some terrible thing with his mom and like just trying to be a normal guy. But the words that he had to say sometimes weren't great. It was like really expositiony with yep. some of his trying to develop his character kind of things. Like, well, I can't go in there because I might see my mom. You know, talking about the funeral home, and I'm just like, what kind of dialogue is this? Um, yeah, so I was not a fan of the dialogue. I kind of liked the lead guy because he, him and his wife, cause like right out of the gate, he picks up this girl and I'm like, oh, this can't, this can't go good. <laughs> right. And then, you know, he turns yeah. out to be kind of the hero of the movie in a sense, even though he gets shit on through this entire movie and he continues to protect this girl. And so I kind of liked his character. I didn't mind him the most, um... He was probably my favorite character other than his wife. But then, then again, that demographic worked together well. Because when you first introduce her, they're kind of like, they're not fighting per se, but they're at odds about the fact that he brought this weird girl home. But then she turns around and just starts being really nice to her and embracing her and trying to help her. And then just like, that, that just voids all expectations. And I, I, I liked that. Um, just again... Some of their dialogue was poorly written, and um, I don't blame any of the actors for that. I, I, I 100% blame the writing, but um, yeah, just, uh, and again, I think maybe I went in with too high of an expectation, just because a legend is built up at this point for me, again, like this is a movie that is seeped into um, the horror genre, that people know of it, and and... You know the char- the the main killer look I think is a good look I don't mind it, um, 
So maybe I went in with maybe too high of an expectation, but uh, um, it, it didn't meet any of that. You know, so. <laughs> Other than the gore, again. Can't talk enough about the kills. The thing that I worried about the most with this movie is if we were going to have to get our lawyers on the line. Because we made this movie called Lights, Camera, Kill. Yeah, it's pretty similar. I don't. Yeah, and I think that's I mean. why I'm really um, dissing on this movie. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring it up but since you did. <laughs> but seriously. <laughs> All right, Tad. Uh, I'm I'm done being mean. Jeez, <laughs> you're so I know. mean tonight. I'm an asshole tonight. We did talk, we told talk about the next one. Well, thanks Emily for being a, an attacker. We appreciate your time with us <laughs> while we had you. Uh, <laughs> Tad, what what trivia do you have on this? Not much. Uh lead actress Bobby Sue Luther and director Robert Hall used to be married. Isn't that interesting? Um <laughs> If you think that's interesting, wait till you hear the next one. There was three, and one didn't even make the cut, so I only have two. Um, Around the 69-haha minute mark, there is a frame in which the character of of Tommy is wearing a pair of Vans skater shoes with the print of Iron Maiden's Killers album. I'm just... Yeah, I know. If okay. imagine how bad the third one was, if I'm not including it. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Oh man, that's a bummer too. Because I, I want to know more about this movie. Let's lay it to rest. Oh, oh. oh no! <laughs> I got that one. There we go. Ah, you got that, and I didn't. Ah. Weird. That is weird. Mm. All right, Tad. What's our next movie? Our next movie is Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. I don't suppose they uh, told you anything in Denver about the tragedy we had up here during the winter of 1970. I hired a man named Charles Grady as the winter caretaker. From what I've been told, I mean, he seemed like a completely normal individual. But at some point during the winter, he must have suffered some kind of a complete mental breakdown. He ran amok and uh, killed his family. Well, you can rest assured, Mr. Ullman, that's not going to happen with me. <laughs> that's right. Mom, do you really want to go and live in that hotel for the winter? Sure I do. It'll be lots of fun. The only thing that can get a bit trying up here during the winter is uh, the tremendous sense of isolation. Is there something bad here? I fear you will have to deal with this matter in the harshest possible way. I did. I killed you with Manny. You did this to me. Didn't you? I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Here's Johnny. I mean, do I really need to read a description for this one? Um, uh, A family heads to an isolated hotel for the winter where a sinister presence influences the father into violence while his psychic son sees horrific forebodings from both past and future. So based on the Stephen King novel, directed by the maestro Stanley Kubrick, great cast of Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, and Danny Lloyd, Scatman Crothers, uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, 
not one that isn't steeped in controversy because it, in, in typical Kubrick fashion, goes way off the rails from the source material. Uh, but I love this movie. Love, love, love the cinematography. Love the score. Love the performances. I uh, love the graphic design on the posters and all the artwork. Um, I mean, this is a classic. I'm surprised we haven't done this one before. I have nothing but great things to say about this movie. And uh, I was surprised to hear off the mic that Jason well, might not feel the same way. So uh, I'm calling you out. Jason did apparently just well, fuck every movie on this list. Yes. Directed, directed traffic, Ted. No, no, I agree with all the things you said. Uh, I, yeah, performances, great. I love Shelley Duvall so much in this. She's so great to me. Oh yeah. I mean, Jack just seemed to be mugging the whole time, but I mean, what a great mug! He's just so fun to look at. But, um, I, uh, yes, I mean, what you said is all true. But this but. time, but this time around, no, I just it was I didn't. Uh, I thought a lot of not a lot, but uh, there were some scenes I'm like, fucking, at someone else edit this, this, this. this Wait, poorly edited, what? slow and what? I, You're calling this slow? This, yeah, Man, awesome! Wow, I've never heard you call a movie slow. Oh, no, like I don't want to like reenact a scene here, but like, yeah, it was just I don't know the pacing, which is part of the controversy of this film. I mean, it's one of the reasons it was panned by critics is just that it's slow but but yeah no i just thought some of the editing wasn't that i don't know and then at the at the end i'm like why is she seeing the ghosts again i'm like i'm like why not i i I was just i mean i know it's supposed to be confusing but i was like i don't know guys (laughs) i mean yeah the score is great and the acting is great and the concept's cool, and uh, I thought Scatman Crothers bit it way too fucking fast for, you know, spending 20 minutes climbing it. Screen time, we watch him drive that thing for 20 minutes straight, and then he well, just Wasn't bam. he all the way down in Florida or something? Because that's where he actually lived. Or Wait, what? Really? Yeah. That's he where he was. He took oh, a yeah. flight. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then he got in the snowcat, and then he drove up the mountain. And, <laughs> and then, yeah, just boom. Instantly dead. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> no, that's great. You're just mad because he was killed and he's a Transformer. Sure, he's the voice of jazz. But, yeah. Um, um, yeah. It's, 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 it's good. What? Um, I agree with, you know, everything, you know. I guess I, get, I agree with everything that Tad says. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to say something that hasn't already been said. Um, yeah, I mean, I, but how does it make you feel, Andy? How does it make me feel? I mean, I think it's, I think Kubrick uses the hotel. I mean, it's the way I would describe this movie is atmospheric. It's just the whole aura of, you know, the way he 
the way it's filmed is the way he uses the whole aura of you know the hotel. And the reason why I think it's slow is because it's it's a character driven movie. So it's I mean the the hotel in and of itself is a character. So I mean and it's basically the hotel slowly screwing with Jack and Jack slowly you know you know losing his mind and. You know, so you're not just going to go ape shit within 20 minutes of the movie, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just really damn good. And plus, it's uh, I like you know smaller casts in just one central area. Yeah, that's why I love like movies like you know Not a Living Dead and you yeah. know um, Oh yeah, uh, Evil Dead. You know, just it's it's that it's this intimate setting. You know, where it's you know. There's imminent danger, you know, around the corner all the time. And one of the things, um, here's, here's a bit of a funny story. I had a, um, I rented this in college because I had, had not seen it. You know, this was like back in like 98, 99. And um, I had a girlfriend at the time. You know what her name was? Wendy. So, <laughs> like, I would do that, you know, scene that's like... Wendy, darling, light of my life. I'm just going to bash him right the fuck in. Um, But yeah, I mean, plus, I'll watch any movie where Jack Nicholson is just, you know, chewing the scenery and just going nuts, you know. Well, I know there was obviously, like Jason said, you know, it's been called, some of the critics said it was slow. It's funny because... On the other end of the spectrum, like Stephen King thought casting uh, Jack Nicholson was like almost jumping into it too fast because in the book, it's like a slow descent into madness. And Nicholson already has that manic presence immediately when he walks into that interview where it's like, okay, it's not at all surprising this guy goes nuts because even when he's joyous, he's scary. Mm. Um, (laughs) Like, why aren't you normal? But I, I, I just love, like, I don't know, maybe maybe uh, maybe I'm just a sucker for, like, or a, uh, I fall into the hype of the Kubrick thing, but it's just, like, the sets here are all gorgeous, and they're so big. Like, a huge, that huge room he's riding in is just... Of course. Seeing him, just, he's like a little ant in this gigantic room riding. I just love these scenes and yeah. the quietness of it that leads up to these, ramps up to these moments, and just, like... Wendy constantly walking on eggshells, which was actually like happening on set, you know, and oh yeah, uh, just almost feel bad. Uh, yeah, I don't see how her cigarette ash didn't get people to quit smoking. That thing was like fourteen <laughs> inches long. I'm a little taken back. Um, kind of doing. I don't know. I've been sitting here with my brain. Oh, good luck. Going a million miles an hour trying to do a little self, um, you know, reflection. To hear Jason say that this was slow and I don't mind the pacing of this movie. What is happening? When I bitch and moan about all those other movies, these like artsy fartsy day 24 movies you guys just love. And I'm just like, this is so fucking boring. Um, uh, why? Why? Why is this this one? Is it a nostalgia thing? It might be. 
It might be. I mean, obviously saw this movie many times way and you know throughout the years and started out way back in as a teenager. So maybe that's part of it. I don't know. I'm trying to I'm I'm sitting here talking out loud love trying to figure huh? figure myself out. Maybe I need to go back and watch some of those A24 films. I don't know. <laughs> no. Um let's hey. see. <laughs> Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. I I'm seriously trying to figure this out because, like, it you know, it's hypocritical to be like, this one ain't slow, but this one's slow. So I don't know what it is. Um, I know. I've been trying to think about how to talk about it, too, yeah. other than just say, like, I just didn't feel like it was a masterpiece this time. That's all. Is it a disconnect you know? with the characters, maybe, that makes it feel No, slow I just to didn't you, feel or? like sucking this movie's dick this time I watched it. <laughs> that's all. I'm like, All right, all right. That's all. I just, like, I didn't think it was. I mean, all the things you say are true. It's great. It's beautiful. But, you know, like, I don't know. Just didn't do me this time. Oh. Huh. I still think it's quotable behind, you know, besides <laughs> the here's, here's Johnny, you know. Um,. Especially when he's making fun of Wendy, you know, I I still think that's hilarious, you know. You think maybe he meets a doctor. <laughs> but I, I'm with Good Tad. Stuff. I'm with Tad. I really like the the camera work in this. Just I forgot how much the camera moves in this. I just love those like scenes where they're like walking through the hotel and the camera is the- so far back that there's walls and pillars that obstruct the the vision. Of the of the characters as we see them walking along, you know stuff like that, or or following, uh, following the kid on the on the bike on the big wheel, yeah, yeah. So such great camera work, and and it's only it's only emphasized by just how gorgeous the setting is. I mean, I love those, I love some of the, those like red walls and and shit, and, it, and of course the iconic carpeting. And I was gonna, that's what I was gonna say. Does anybody else but me want that carpeting in their house? <laughs> I do. Um, and I feel like the hotel itself is a character that also descends into madness with uh, along with Jack cuz I mean everything just seems so you know beautiful and gorgeous but it just gets creepy as it goes on and I don't know if that's the work of the camera or if uh the manipulation of the setting or that score. I'll tell you that I freaking love the score. This time around, I really, I mean, I've always been aware of the score and, it, you know, and, you know, it's like some of its iconic stuff, but just constant through the movie, this like haunting score that I feel like really puts you on, on ease. And you talk about listening to the Hellraiser soundtrack um, and then times you have to turn it off. I feel like that would be the same for me if I were to listen to this score on its own while I'm alone. But, uh, and it's, I also find it interesting that this movie can create such claustrophobia in such a wide open space as this hotel. And I think a lot, I mean, a lot of it has to do with you know, the snowstorm outside and they're just kind of right. trapped in there. But, uh, maybe yeah. the maze as well. And yeah, in the maze. Um, and I also am now in my head comparing this to laid to rest. Um, what <laughs> the contrast? Why? <laughs> Let me explain the contrast in um, dialogue writing because there's certain scenes like the scene. I mean, I feel like all three of the main characters in the movie 
are really captivating when they're on screen for me. And they have to be because they're carrying the whole goddamn movie. Um, and one of, just one of the scenes for some reason that stood out to me this time around is when um, I forget who she's talking to, when Shelley Duvall is telling the story about how um, Danny uh, dislocated his shoulder or whatever. And it's like such a character developing uh, bit of dialogue that really kind of, again, describes Jack's character um, through this dialogue, um, which again could also be part of the problem that Stephen King had with this film as far as it's not a big leap to see him go into this madness when he's already kind of a piece of shit to begin with. But just that speech and how that is how you write a scene of dialogue and that is how you um, say those lines in order as far as exposition without sounding like exposition as far as character development goes. Where in Laid to Rest, it was a lot more, you know, you know, A to B dialogue ex- explaining backgrounds of these characters. I just bring that up as, uh, as hopefully as maybe that would make more sense on why Laid to Rest's dialogue I had issues with. I thought we laid that one to rest. Yeah, Mike. Ah, fine. And yeah, but I still like this movie. But now I gotta, now I gotta really. Now you have to hate Jason more. No, no, no. It has uh, nothing to do with that. It's just, it's my own, it's my own hangups of why is this movie a slow, slow burn that I don't like, but this one's a slow burn that I do like. Maybe so it's... can you use the word slow burn as an excuse not to like a movie anymore? Is that what you're faced with now? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, maybe, maybe. I've, I I feel like I've You're feel good. like I've explained myself way more in just saying slow burn over and over again when it comes to some of those movies you guys really dig on that I that don't connect Mike's with in me. A paradox now. Um, yeah. A little bit. A, a little, little bit. bit. <laughs> a little bit. You know, I I I just don't want to be a hypocritical film critic here. You know. <laughs> um, you know, why, why is one, and sometimes it's environment when we're watching these things too, you know, um, you know, watching something, you know, it's not, not the best example, but for some reason it's the only mean that's movie that springs to mind. watching lamb because I'm watching it for the show and I'm trying to marathon it to try to get to the year end. Um, probably is not the best environment to watch a movie that is slow moving like that. So, you know, yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, well, well, I'm going through a midlife crisis here. Uh, Tad, what trivia do you have for The Shining? There probably isn't any. I was going to say, if there's, there's probably like, what, a dozen document right. feature length documentaries right. on this movie. Um, so I can't, I mean, I picked a few, but it's like, you know, if you're into this movie, you've probably seen t- the, what, Room 237 and yeah. all these things. But uh, Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall have expressed open resentment against the reception of this film, feeling that critics and audiences created credited Stanley Kubrick solely for the film's success without considering the effort of the actor's crew or the strength of Stephen King's underlying material. 
Uh, Nicholson and Duvall have said that the film was one of the hardest of their careers. In fact, Nicholson considers Duvall's performance the most difficult role he's ever seen an actress take on. Duvall also considers, yeah, Duvall also considers her performance the hardest of her life. Rightfully so. Almost like maybe did psychologically ruin her. That's that's the controversy, right? Yeah, Stanley Kubrick was not a nice guy. Uh, and then this one is just stupid funny uh, to sort of a palate cleanser uh, to get Jack Nicholson in the right agitated mood. He was fed only cheese sandwiches for two weeks, which he hates. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> but we definitely want to thank attacker Rose. Thank you. I was going to ask you. Yeah. Thank you, Rose. Yes, Rose. Thank you. And thanks to all the attackers who, uh, um, put in suggestions. Yep, if you didn't hear yours on today's show, we'll just hang out until the next one. You'll probably be on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but that is going to be it, though, for the films we're going to talk about on this episode. Um, fear not, fellow listeners. There is more Attack of the Killer podcast to come. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be doing our segments. Yay, segments! Um, But first, you're going to hear a promo for our podcast network, the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. It's home to over 30, that's right, one, two, three, four, 30 shows. (laughs) For example, the Bad Movie Bunny Podcast. Yeah! Every episode reviews horror and thriller movies, (laughs) Um, but is the scream you hear your own right check out the bad movie bunny podcast and all the other shows at thepfpn.com we'll be right back you're listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment the shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the show. And oh man, I hope you're all ready because it is now time for Shout Out! It's time for shout outs. Shout outs. Shout outs. Shout outs. Shout outs. All right, we asked, what are your favorite horror movies that were recommended to you by a friend? And guys, I don't know if we can do shout outs today because Mike, I mean, there were so, there are like thousands of comments of like, we've been, it's all from you and Attack of the Killer podcast. Yeah, figured. Yeah, so like I don't. I'll just pick out some. Read them. I'll read some that weren't about you. Okay, so first we got attacker Brett Royer. He says demons recommended by Mister Tad Good. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. It's a great movie. Yeah, very. Uh, We got Tim Lenerer. He says half of every hubris ween is recommended by my partner in podcasting crime, Sean Frost. Here is a partial list of good horror flicks I hadn't seen that they put on various hubris ween lists. Big Ass Spider. The cat, oh, that's so good. The Cat and the Canary. Dead of Night. Evolution 2015. The Ghoul. 
Island of Lost Souls, The Johnsons, Jugface, The Living Skeleton, Maniac Cop, The Old Dark Horse House, Oni Baba, The Phantom Carriage, The Pit, Return to Horror High, Splinter, yes. Virana, West Craven's New Nightmare, You're Next, and Zat. <laughs> okay, Zat isn't good, but I enjoyed it anyway. Up next, we got Jacob McLaughlin. He says, The Return of the Living Dead, recommended by both Brian and Tim. One of the best zombie movies ever. It's true. Hell yeah. Uh, Prince of, he also says Prince of Darkness, which Brian put on during a movie night. One of my absolute favorite Carpenter films. And then he lastly he says, Tales from the Hood, recommended by Tim. The best horror anthology that I have ever seen. And then Tim chimes in, Jacob, have you ever heard the good news about Colossus, the Forbin Project? <laughs> He's always trying to pimp that thing. <laughs> and then uh, lastly, we got attacker Emily Randolph. She says, I don't know if this counts, but I had never watched John Carpenter's The Thing until it was shown at an Insane's Asylum uh, movie yes. night. Yeah, uh, It's now one of my favorite movies, and I also... I want to say my friend K-Man always gives me the best 80s horror suggestions with introducing me to Chopping Mall and The Intruder. Yes. The 1989 yes. one. Very awesome. Very awesome. Yeah, Emily, I don't know about you, but I sure miss those uh, oh. movie nights. Those were those movie nights. I were miss legendary. the story. Yeah. For real. Well, that's all the shout-outs today. Well, we do have a voicemail here, and uh, you guys are going to like this uh i i wasn't sure if we'd ever hear from brian again after last episode <laughs> that was your fault <laughs> i know it is yep. i have i've tried my best to apologize keep your mouth shut i know <laughs> i'm just gonna be quiet on this one but uh here is brian hey everybody attacker brian here and i just got finished with my therapy session from jason making fun <laughs> of me last week on the show <laughs> and i saw facebook and they were asking about your favorite horror movie recommended by a friend. Friend, look, I was going to go with something by Jason, but I don't know that we're friends anymore because he hurt my heart so bad. But I remember somebody from the show, again, I can't remember who, maybe I don't remember. I'm so traumatized. But I remember someone from the show saying, I should watch The Greasy Strangler. And if your friends are not telling you to watch The Greasy Strangler, you need new friends. <laughs> you need an old man with a big wang going through a car wash after he kills people. That's the whole movie. That's all you need to know. So I will be that friend and recommend it to you. Hope you guys have a good week. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, Greasy Strangler. Heck yeah. And uh, sorry about your therapy, Bill. Um <laughs> Just be careful what you say next time. Uh, so, yes, thank you. Uh, you, too, can leave your voicemail and get your comments on the show. You can give us a call at 415-952-6857, also known as 415-95-AOTKP. Type that into your phone. Leave us a voicemail. We'll play it on the show. Pretty cool, right? Yeah. But we're not done yet. we got one more segment. It's time Ooh. for Insane's Picks. <laughs>
Welcome Jeez. to Insane's Picks. With Insane's Picks, exploration into films outside the horror genre, genre, yet are still strange and bizarre cult films, how have I not talked about one of my favorite directors? He has made films in so many various genres, yet still has his weird and shocking visual, visual style. Of course, I am talking about Takashi Miike. Oh, what? That's right. And for this episode of Insane's Picks, we're going to be talking about Gozu from 2003. A Yakuza enforcer is ordered to drive his colleague and brother to be assassinated. On the way to their destination, he accidentally kills his brother. However, the body mysteriously disappears. Now he is on a mission to find the body, which follow what follows is a twisted, surreal, horrifying experience featuring such disturbing visuals such as a man with a cow head and a nasty-ass tongue, an innkeeper who is obsessed with her own breast milk, and her brother who can channel spirits, just to name a few. Gozu is typical Takashi Miike, weird and twisted, it's so bizarre that even David Lynch would be like, that was weird, I don't get it. If you have never seen a Takashi Miike film, you cannot judge his body work based on just one of his movies since he's just all over the place. And he makes like 20 movies a year. And they, But the thing is about his movies and his output is he does a lot of movies, but they all have a high quality look to them. He, there's just no skimping on the quality. It's definitely quality and quantity when it comes to Takashi. But uh, if you've never seen one of his films before, Gozu is probably a pretty good place to start. If not that, maybe you know, Happiness of the Katakuris or Audition. King Assassins. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zebraman is another one of my faves. Anyway, uh, definitely, but definitely check out Gozu. Fine, I will. Do it. And that is it, folks. That is this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I want to thank you guys all for listening. Um, get more Attack of the Killer Podcast in your life by going to jointheattackers.com and donate to the show. Uh, and you can also get even more Attack of the Killer Podcast because we're on Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, the Instagrams, the Tickety Talks. The, we have a YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe to that and all those awesome things. We're everywhere. You can't get away from us. <laughs> so thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will talk to you all next time on Attack of the Killer Podcast. Oh, no. Could this be the end of? <laughs> Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attack of the Killer Podcast.